0: Hi, this is Damien Power, director of No Exit and Killing Ground, and you're listening to the Horror Squad podcast.
1: Hello, welcome back to the Horror Squad podcast, episode number 217. Tonight, we're talking about a Hulu film, No Exit, I'm um, one of your co-hosts, Todd. We have Steve, Joe, Sam is having a little technical difficulty. should be on in a few seconds. We also have a special interview, which the boys just recorded.
2: Yeah, we have uh, the director of No Exit, Damien Power. Uh, great interview. So stick as, you know, stick to the end for that. Very, uh, he talks a lot about like his inspiration to the film and some of the choices that he made. And it was uh, honestly a very very good interview. So you know, stay tuned to the end mm-hmm. of the episode and check it out. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Todd, we mm-hmm. missed you last week. Mm. Uh, how's everything and uh give us our your quick thoughts on what we do in the shadows from what you remember just uh
1: Uh, yeah what what we do in the shadows man it was definitely on my top 10 of the decade when we did that i don't know how high it was but it's a it's a five out of five for me you know it does i mean are there issues with it sure and some pacing here and there but uh i love the characters i love the world that they built the comedy um the quirkiness of new zealand just everything about the movie i love and then the TV show I'm all caught up on season three. Started off a little rocky, but then definitely right of the ship. And that one overall, I, I would put it at like a four and a half out of five because the series has had some stinker episodes. But uh, yeah, the movie itself though, I love it. It's 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 great.
2: You saw the movie first, right? Yep. Yeah, see that's so I didn't, and I think that hurt my experience of the movie mm-hmm. because I saw a lot of the beats coming. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, they they definitely uh, borrow a lot of like story elements and comedic bits and stuff from the from the movie so that makes sense right, right but it's right. awesome yeah absolutely
2: <laughs> you guys all rated high yeah I th- yeah all eight plus I think nice so, um, uh, mm-hmm. yeah
3: yep. cool. I think eight and a half I think we're all like around the same I think I was an eight actually I think Steve was the lowest I think he gave, didn't you have like a seven and a half Steve or something
1: maybe yeah I'm at like a nine and, I'm a nine and a half for that movie I, I absolutely yeah. love that movie
2: it's great yeah mm-hmm Cool. Um so we're not doing questions this week because uh we decide that we're gonna start doing questions every second episode, you know, keep the everything fresh. So you guys want to get into what watched or yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think uh mm-hmm. also at the end of the episode when we're done talking about the film, we'll talk about very quickly what everyone else rated on Discord. If you put your quick review, we'll we'll read it off so we can get a consensus of what everyone else thinks too. Um but what watched, let's see here. I don't have mine in front of me. Hold on. I gotta go to letterbox bring it up. Batman's out today, or actually last week. Did anyone see it yet?
3: Did you no? Being no. a Thursday.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna
2: see it. Yeah, gonna see it. Hopefully mm. this week.
3: Yeah, I think we're gonna see it this week too, I think. But I've heard nothing but amazing things yeah. about it, so me I'm super excited. So, super excited.
2: All
1: right. My first what watched is the editor, which came out in 2014. It's a Giallo Italian spoof, which I've seen before, and we watched it with my buddies for movie night, uh, where we each pick a movie and we watch them back to back to back and uh yeah this one if you haven't seen it before it's about a film production for a horror movie and then people start getting killed on set and it's intentionally dubbed incorrectly so it's like a you know it's supposed to be an italian film dubbed in english but it's it's an english film they just made the the words not match and it, it makes for super hilarious moments um there's tons of nudity female male alike so anyone whatever your preferences you got in this movie um it's just one of those movies where like go in with like an open mind and i think you'll have a great time because there's so much hilarious stuff going on and it's got a lot of good gore so that one was from 2014 oh also it stars the dad from psycho gorman for the people that like that movie and i believe it was directed by him as well if i remember well actually i'm looking at right now yes it was directed by the dad from psycho gorman as well so the editor 2014 awesome movie and it's over on uh shutter and tv nice
3: my psycho gorman figures finally came in i pre-ordered them like when the movie came out like a year and a half ago or whatever and they finally showed up in the mail the other day so are they are you pleased Pretty excited about that yeah i mean yeah i knew what i was getting they're just small they're kind of like the reaction style figures you know but they're kind of they're, they're cool For they were cheap so yeah i saw that uh our, our buddy Damien Maffei is becoming an action figure there. Uh, Trick or Treat Studios today announced a haunt line of action figures. They're doing every single character in like reaction style format. So that's pretty cool. You see anything, Joe? Yeah, I've seen some things, you know. Oh, um, well, I watched uh, that we're going to be covering next week. So I'll save my thoughts for that until next week's episode. But um, I got one tonight. Um, it is called Hellbender from 2022. Um, I saw a lot of people talking about this one online and it's about witches. So I was like, well, I got to watch it. Uh, So this one is directed by the Adams family. Uh, Horror fans might know them best for, um, God, what did they do last year? I watched it and I actually reviewed it for, on what watched. Um, The Deeper You Dig, which um, I thought that one was okay, but I I didn't love that one. Um, So... Going into this one, I kind of knew to expect, Uh, you know, they're they are a low budget. You know, they're a family that makes low budget and they star and they act, you know, direct and they they do everything. I mean, it's actually pretty impressive. Um, So this one is about a, uh, you know, a teenage girl who's kind of coming of age. And she uh, has been kept basically uh, isolated by her mother, who has told her that she is, you know, sick. She's like, basically, you just, you know, you can't go out. You can't interact with people because, you know, you have like some sort of disease or something like that. Um. So, but she starts, obviously, as, you know, adolescent teenage girls do, they they start breaking the rules. And she starts kind of going off. um they live like in the middle of the woods. So she starts kind of like walking around the woods and she starts interacting with, you know, strangers and stuff she meets and whatnot. Um, And she comes to discover that uh, basically she, she's a witch and her mother's been keeping that from her because um, basically she has like evil, witch tendencies, you know, but the mother starts training her and teaching her like how to like, you know, kind of use your powers for good and stuff like that. And, you know, things take, a turn and i'll leave it at that um you know overall I-, I liked this one it definitely has a lot of flaws because um you know it's very low but it's you know maybe not extremely low budget but it's pretty low budget the acting at times is pretty you know rough but it's like a really really cool story it's a really cool idea Um, The witch stuff felt like super authentic and genuine. There's some really cool visuals in here. Um, A pretty cool like metal style soundtrack as well. Um, So I would recommend it to certain people. Um, You know, people that are into like witchy movies, um, but, you know, maybe not more like the mainstream crowd who are, you know, expecting, you know, big budget fairs and stuff like that but this was a decent one it's definitely not gonna make my top top 10 or anything like that but uh, I think it's it's definitely worth a watch at least
2: um my first one this week is a 2021 film that I watched over on Amazon Prime in Canada anyway and that is Titane uh, which is a film from Belgium yes (laughs) so uh, both of you uh, talked about it uh during you know the end of year Period. I think well, at least one of you had it on your top ten. So. I did. I think it's
1: number four or five. Yeah. We,
2: we both did. Yeah, both did. I had it pretty high myself. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I had, I had high expectations going into this one. I wasn't quite sure what to expect. All I knew was about a girl that uh, had sex with cars. That's all I knew about it. So, uh, so I went in, and uh, it's about a girl who gets into a car accident, and she has kind of titanium like pieces put to her so to kind of rebuild her and the story takes place years later where she works at car shows and she has does have a fetish for her vehicles but uh then you know she's like killing people all the time that piss her off but she uh, gets in over her head at a party and there are more people at a place than she had anticipated so she no, can no longer get away with her crimes so she goes to a uh, as she's running away she goes to a place and um changes her identity to f- kind of match someone who's like a missing person that's aged in the future uh and incidentally it's a boy so she cuts her hair off she uh, bandages her breasts and she's also pregnant so she's bandaging her stomach and then she goes to live with the father of that kid who had uh, been lost and he she, he now thinks is found wow this movie is is insane i could not predict the next three minutes like ever you never knew what was going to happen next and it was delightful um you know in this case having a movie where you really don't know what's going to happen next is it's really good because it keeps you on your toes and there's a lot of fucked up shit in this movie but the movie also has a lot of heart you know there's a lot of emotion as this father is like kind of gripping with the reality that his son might be back and then it's you know what she's going through with her like kind of taping her ever-growing stomach and her trying to adapt into this new life uh i think i would have given the main actress of this film my best actress of the year award for 2021 because holy shit she does a great job of you know conveying emotions and often without saying anything she doesn't speak all that much uh in the movie so yeah this is fantastic it's a great film i'm happy i watched it i'm happy you guys told me about it so if you can seek it out uh, check it out that's Titine from 2021
1: i'm glad you liked it um there's a lot in that movie, man. There is a ton, and uh, yeah. I can understand why people don't like it too. Like I totally get it, but that one, like for everything you said, it it's impossible to guess what's what's happening in that film. Impossible, even even after you watch it, you're like, okay, what? So, but uh, yeah, at the end of the day, that's an actually pretty sad movie. So all right my next one is 1979's don't go in the house this is a rewatch as well uh basically this gentleman um my, my friend put it perfectly it's like a mix between psycho and maniac where this guy has a very um strange relationship with his mother she's over and uh, you know she's overbearing things like that and one day he comes home and she's she's died um so he takes his newfound freedom and uh acts pretty much like a little kid starts like playing records really loud uh smoking cigarettes jumping on couches things like that but he's also a little bit crazy he has uh, no skill with women so he tries to pick him up and he's just the most awkward dude of all time so he decides to oh he also is very in the fire because when he was a kid um his mother uh put his hand over like a the uh crap what's it called Where you cook fucking food food on not the oven stove there you go to uh, reprimand him for something he did so he burned his arms and now he's just really in the fire so long story short he abducts women and he puts them in his uh this room that he fireproofed and he puts on a fire suppression kind of system and flamethrowers them to death or lights them in fire and kills them so it's cool because it's different you don't really see a slasher um or a crazy person use fire usually it's knives or whatever um it's a really good movie, so I'd highly recommend it. Don't go in the house. Let me see where it's streaming at. Um, that one is over on Tubi for Americans, so don't go in the house, 1979. You watched Don't Go in the House, I think, a while back, right, Joe? I did. Is that, wait, Tower? is that the Q one? No, no it's Flamethrower guy kills people in his room or his house. I thought you did.
3: No, I didn't see – I don't think I did see – no, we were going to – I picked that one when we were supposed to do the Video Nasty episode. I picked mm. that one for a vote. And it didn't win, and I didn't. I never ended up watching it. Was it worth yeah.
1: it? Yeah, I think you like it's on TV. Yeah.
3: Okay, well, I'll check it out. All right, I get one more. Actually, I, I can briefly talk about it. I started a new TV show, kind of has genre tones, called Severance, over on Apple TV, starring our boy uh, Adam McKay, who you might know from Parks and Recreation. I don't know if anyone's given it a shot yet, but essentially,
1: ooh, I've heard the, uh, the about show. This.
3: Yeah, so it was created by Ben Stiller, of all people, too, which is, like, really interesting. Uh, but, yeah, so it started, It started actually has a great cast. You got uh, Adam McKay, you got John Turturro, who I love John Turturro, the Jesus. Uh, and then you got uh, Christopher Walken in here, Patricia Arquette. Very, very good cast. Uh, but, yeah, essentially the story is about a guy who basically had, like, a tragedy in his life. And he joins this company that severs your, basically like it severs your work life and like your normal life. So they like implant something inside of your brain. So when you go to work, you don't remember anything from your outside life. And when you leave work, you don't remember anything from your work life. So it completely severs, you know, uh, those two lives. Uh, So basically how the, the pilot uh, happens is you know we're we're taken into this world um one of the co-workers uh is no longer there um the co-worker ends up showing up um in adam mckay's normal life and is like hey like listen like i said se- you don't know who i am but uh you know I, I i was able to reverse the the severance and you know there's some fucked up shit going on like at this company and so far i'm only a couple episodes in but so far it's fucking like really good really really interesting um it's a super unique like concept uh and yeah i'm really digging it so if you can check it out apple tv's been pretty solid i mean between servant which my god that show has really taken off the past few weeks um in its third season and i think it's only doing i think Shyamalan's only doing five total on that one Um, But between servant and uh, severance, severance, I'd say it's totally worth the uh, subscription to Apple TV just for those two shows alone.
1: I just like the concept of separating your work and uh, personal (laughs) life. Yeah, let's look more into
2: that, Elon Musk. Let's look into that. Right. All right. Uh, My second one this week is a movie from Let's Go 2021 and that's Don't Breathe 2. So I'm trying to, like, finish off all the 2021 films that I had on my list. So in Don't Breathe 2, Stephen Lang returns uh, as the blind old man. Uh, this one takes place years later, and he's somehow taken care, uh, taken in possession a kind of daughter, which he just took from the street and started raising her. And years later, um, she's, like, growing up and stuff, and he's raising her, and uh you know these people come to kidnap her so he has to get out of his comfort zone and get her back uh this was a completely unnecessary film uh there's a lot of brutal kills and and stuff like that so i did appreciate it for that but outside of that this movie is so unneeded that it's just like it, it almost pissed me off you know because i thought don't breathe was actually really good and an issue which i I have with this movie and I have with a lot of other movies is I didn't care for anyone so there's no stakes I don't care who lives or dies whatsoever so if anyone dies it's like yeah okay let's move on you know I want to see the cool kill and get on with it uh, I hope that I I don't want them to do more of these I think it's completely pointless it's a waste of a great talent in Stephen Lang I think he's fantastic and it's just you know by, by the numbers at this point so yeah didn't like this one big disappointment so but I, I expected it after you guys said you know what you said about it last year so that's don't breathe too yeah who do you
1: root for the rapists the drug dealers i want to kill the kid for their heart
2: um seriously it's so, such a stupid there's movie. no one to root for and the, the yeah. first one was kind of that way too because yeah you know it's it's people breaking into his house to steal his shit and this poor guy, but this poor guy turns out to be also a, fucking a rapist. rapist. <laughs> so it's like, why? Who are you rooting for in these fucking films? Yeah, there's a,
1: there's always a line that sticks out to me in part two where he's, um, telling little girl stuff. He's like, I'm a rapist. I'm like, who wrote this? Like, right. what are they thinking? Yeah. Ugh. Disappointment. God. So, we got trivia, guys, and bad news bears. Uh, Sam cannot get her computer to work, so she won't be coming on tonight. We'll have her writing a no exit later. So, we're going to do trivia, but it's not worth anything. It's just for laughs. So,
3: I- let's do, let's, let's put some stakes on it.
1: Okay. Well, we stake a, in here. Put a movie
3: on it. Whoever, yeah, whoever wins gets to pick up a, a punishment movie for the other two guys to watch.
1: Perfect. I'm
3: good with okay. that. All
1: right. Oh, wait, wait. This, oh, no. We have to wait for Sam to give me my punishment still, huh? Yeah. yeah. All right. Next yeah. Time. that'll be
2: separate.
1: I have a feeling it's one of those Discord movies you fuckers are talking about. So, just... Fang and Shark or something like no, that. No, Dracula no, no. Sharkula.
2: <laughs> Sharkula. Sharkula. Or one of the uh, oh, six you... <laughs> Amityville films. No,
3: I was going to say, no. can we talk about Amityville in space real quick? We so just got announced this week.
1: Oh Jesus yeah. Oh, hey, you know what? The, the art looks pretty cool. I'm not gonna. I'm
2: yeah, that's that's. Did you the trailer to a yet? Though? No, I didn't. Oh man. Oh my god, the trailer. Oh. The trailer. Oh. What's Let's the comment I mean,
3: it looks like a trauma movie, hundred percent. Like, maybe 100%. even worse though. Yeah, what worse than a trauma movie.
2: <laughs> oh my god.
3: All right. Yeah. Is so it, we'll do is that. the
2: house
1: a spaceship? Is that the point? We, I, this yeah, the is house like event?
3: launches the house, like you see the lo- the house launch up into space like a rocket ship. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Man, it's amazing how many evil movies they've made, though. Is it, is it like Night of the Living Dead where you can just make an ammo movie because there's no like no one owns the licensing
2: so. for it or something like that? It must like be that? because yeah. Yeah, 36 of them minimum. Like, that we saw a picture. Wow. Yeah. There's
3: more than that. I'm like, sure yeah, there's more. There's, yeah. I, that's just the ones yeah. from that
2: list that's been
1: going around right. Facebook. What what kind of name recognition can you get though from that? You know, I, I guess they get Amityville some if it works. And but...
3: they already know, you
1: know. Yeah,
3: People you hear Amityville, suppose. you're just like, ooh, spooky. Okay, let me. I'll watch this one. <laughs> All right. Ready to begin? All right, I guess I'll I'll start it. off.
1: All right, let's see what we got here. For one million points. All right. <laughs> we, we, should we ready? Do neg- we should do negative. If we get it right, you get a negative point. Ooh,
2: ooh I, I like ooh. it. Let's do it. Yeah.
1: Man. Yeah. But you have to try
2: well yeah i mean <laughs> <All right. laughs> for, for a, like i'll watch a shitty movie anyways it doesn't save me whatsoever
1: so we're we doing mm. negative negative points if you get it right plus a shitty movie it's what so it's a-
2: no no just uh like the score so if you get negative points if you get something wrong positive points if you get something right and whoever has the most points at the end oh, okay. of the round gotcha. okay picks for the other two gotcha 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 got it all
1: right start up let me give me a little all righty. There we go. All
3: right. All right. My questions come from Kayla. Kayla. All righty. In 13 ghosts, he went by the name of Royce Clayton until he was burned alive in a car wreck. Which ghost did he become in the afterlife?
1: Uh, the first ghost. Yeah. I mean,
3: yeah. I, mean I don't. Know. Yeah. <laughs> I need this specific name of the ghost.
1: Ah, the guy that I don't know. Dang it!
2: I, I, I really don't know. I is don't it know the first one. one though?
3: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was uh, the the torn prince. Oh yeah, the torn if, if he if he's the first ghost, I'll give Todd the point, but I don't. We're we're not gonna check.
1: So just, <laughs> yeah, 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 if someone wants to Google it, <laughs> I'm putting negative one for both me and Steve. All right, all right,
2: all right. Go ahead, Steve. All right, so I'm gonna try a new type of question this week as a test run. To see if you guys like this type of question. If not, it will not return. So I'm gonna slowly give you words up to four that are big elements of a horror film. And the the like the first word is vague, and the more I go into it, okay. the more it's like relevant to the film. Okay. Um, but I'm only giving you one guess, so it's you to choose. Use your, use your guess. Yeah, use your guess when you wisely. Okay. Are you ready? Uh, Yes.
3: Okay. But my question is: Are these words like in the movie, or just words associated?
2: They're things. They're like items in the movie. Okay. Or or elements, or themes, or something like that will make you recognize what the movie is. Gotcha. All All right. Okay. Yes. Tennis. University.
1: Um. Fuck. Shush. Hold on. Don't say the third word yet, because it's on the tip of my freaking tongue. Um, fucking movie where?
2: You want me to keep going?
1: Damn it! It's it's in the freaking rack over there. I can see the red spine. I just can't read it.
2: All right, I'm gonna keep going for a joke. Chainsaw.
1: No, what is it? Oh, I
2: can't. Oh, pieces.
1: Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes, Damn it. Oh my god. Yes. Terrible. And the next, the last one. one was jigsaw. Plus one, uh, another negative one for me. Shit.
3: I uh, I get it. I want to get that puzzle. They, someone sells it. Oh really? They sell it. Uh, they sell like a yeah, uh, with blood on it. Grind, grindhouse stuff. does.
1: Grindhouse releasing.
3: Grindhouse,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, this one's from Miss Weezerface. Match the quote to the movie. Here's the quote. Everybody has to eat shaving cream once in a while.
3: Ooh, maybe a. F-
1: Everybody has to eat shaving cream. Once in a while, think of shaving cream and um, the color of it. That's a big hint to the movie, and then the fact that you eat stuff.
3: Oh, the, the stuff.
1: stuff. The stuff. Hey, I don't know who said it. We first, both said it. So plus one for each. Who cares? <laughs> All right, Joe. Right. Plus one again. Oh, All love, right. So you're, movie, you're, so you're to zero now, Steve, since you got a negative yeah. and a plus. Mm-hmm. Should I? Need to Back to
3: me. Yep. Okay. All righty tagline the rules are are broken
1: Jeez. um scream 5
3: no but it is i will give you a hint another hint it is from a franchise movie franchise that came out probably started in the 2000s maybe part? even 2010s
1: uh the purge oh, i had a guess
2: <laughs> like, yes,
3: it is the purge. <laughs> it's not i mean it is a purge movie but it's not the purge so i'll give you that i'll give you a, i'll give you a guess i'll give you both another guess based on
2: that purge um, need to go purge uh purge three i forget what the subtitle is electioneer. election year
1: election oh, year two is anarchy um let's go with the uh forever purge
2: the forever purge is correct yes
1: All right, Steve and I are both tied now.
2: All right. So, all all my questions are the same style tonight. All right. Shopping mall. Shopping mall. Wrong. That's your guess. Damn it. No. (laughs) You went too quick. (laughs) I told you the first one's big. Joe, you can. I'll say the next three if by the fourth one you don't know. Keep going. Keep (laughs) going. Valley Girls. All right.
1: Valley Girls. Shopping mall.
2: Red Dust. Red oh. dust.
1: Oh, I got it.
2: Yeah, You're not you gotta get wait till the end. <laughs> He's not gonna get Shopping it. Shopping malls, red dust, right, yeah. and zombies. I'm in your mind. Can I go
1: now since it's the fourth one?
2: I'll give you yeah. one. Yeah, go ahead. Night of the comet. Correct.
1: Yeah.
3: I don't think I've seen it.
1: Ooh, it's a good one. All I'm right. Zero. I'm back to zero, baby. Oh Joe's only at plus one now. Okay. Um this one's coming from Miss Kayla
3: wait do i get a negative for that point though i didn't even guess yep.
1: yeah yeah guess you're getting wrong so oh, okay. you're so We're you're at plus it. you're at plus one right now steve's at negative okay. one i'm at zero all right so technically you're in the lead all right from uh kayla I'll take it when uh sydney asked detective kincaid what his favorite scary movie is in scream 3 what was it the exorcist exorcist is on the board
3: Sydney asks the Detective Kincaid what his favorite scary movie mm-hmm. is. No. Do I get a negative point no matter if I guess or not? <laughs> yes. OK, so I better, all right, so I'll guess here. Um, Night of the Living Dead.
1: Both are incorrect, but I'm going to give you another opportunity because it's kind of a trick question.
2: Oh. Can you repeat it?
1: Uh, when Cindy asked Detective Kincaid oh, what his favorite stab? scary movie is, stabs on the board. What did he say?
3: None.
1: Mm, that's too vague. He says, my life. <laughs> oh. Uh, okay. my, my life. <laughs> all right. So, uh, Joe's at zero. That's a negative. Kind of emo. He's, he's negative two. He's very emo-ish. And then Cindy says, <laughs> Cindy says mine too. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Joe, back right. to me. Last round. I'm pretty fucked up. Right all right. right. <laughs> You're negative two. You can come back.
3: All right. What is the population of the town of perfection at the beginning of tremors?
1: Are we doing closest? Sure, perfection. Let's go without going
2: over that. That statue has a has from uh, what's that guy there homemade horror? I think has it on his statue. Uh, 12. Oh,
1: no. Uh, I'm gonna
2: go 800. Todd, almost on the nose, 14
1: is the correct answer. So I was trying to count them in my mind. There's a kid, his mom, (laughs) young kid, two survivalists. I'm in the positives, baby. (laughs) Steve is a negative (laughs) three.
2: Shitty movie in my future. All right. Now remember, Todd, if you blow your load too quick. Uh, (laughs) It worked out last time. Wishes.
1: Wishmaster. I'm just gonna fucking say
2: it. <laughs> I, told, I told you the first one's super vague. I know,
1: but I'm like if I don't say Wishmaster and it's wishmaster, I'm gonna shoot myself. So. All right. so now
2: you're again I'll Wait, will wait. Dang it. <laughs> spider.
1: Wishmaster and spider.
2: Trophy. And bowling. Um,
1: oh uh, slime bowl rama. Girls at the slime bowl rama or whatever it's called.
2: Yeah, I think Joe Froze. <laughs>
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? What is it? Uh, something girls at the slime bowl ballorama.
3: Ah, uh, sorority babes at yeah, the slime, right. bowl, uh, slime bowl ballorama. who the fuck knows? Did, did you? Yeah, something but like when that.
1: did you say it, Joe?
3: <laughs> I I don't if I I don't I don't think I did it at all. So. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, because uh, yeah, you yeah. froze. something. Okay. <laughs> all right, one more here. Okay. Um, in West Craven's New Nightmare, what bedtime story does Heather tell her son? What uh, I'll, I'll simplify it to: What fairy tale story does uh, oh. Heather tell Dylan? Yep. Um, Three little pigs. Uh, Hansel and
3: Hansel and Gretel.
1: Hansel and Gretel. Back yeah. up to negative one. Steve, negative four. You're done. <laughs> All right, I got one more for you guys to finish out. Uh, Kayla's here. Um, who was the first Lost Boy to die? I don't even remember
3: this one. I, I not <laughs> You're asking me it. character. You're asking me character names. I mean, David's the only one I remember. <laughs> I don't remember any uh, of
1: the other ones' names. Marco, whoever that was. All right, so I need to pick a movie for you, gentlemen, huh? or just Steve.
2: Oh, no, both of
1: us. both. Of you. interesting, interesting. All right, I'll come back to it. Yeah, come back to it. I'll I I do happen. my research.
3: I don't think it'll be entertaining as Rektuma. That's for sure. <laughs> All
1: right, No exit. Right sure. Which is funny because like this synopsis on uh, IMDb, it's not the actual synopsis. They copy and paste the book one, which is different. Right. <laughs> um, but according to IMDb during a blizzard day, stranded during a blizzard and stranded at isolated highway rest stop in the mountains, a college student discovers a kidnapped child hidden in a car belonging to one of the people inside. But the movie version is, Uh, Darby she's a recovering drug addict and she's at like a um, you know I don't know like a in-house therapy thing where she can't leave and blah 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 10-step program whatever you want to call it and she gets a call saying her mother's in the hospital with a brain aneurysm she's dying Darby's not allowed to leave because they don't believe her shit because she's you know made up stories before tried to escape just you know pathological liar things like that so she ends up escaping from the uh, uh the home uh steals a car and then drives her way toward her mother um, however there's a big snowstorm comes in and it uh, causes the highways to close so she has to go to a rest stop that the police officer opened for everybody and when she's in there she meets a uh, older couple a younger kind of college age man a creepy dude named Lars and then when she's uh, fucking around outside she uh, comes across a creepy van with a little girl tied up in the back and it's clear that uh, she has been kidnapped and now Darby has to figure out who she can trust, um, how to get out of a situation while trying to keep her cool in that situation. So who would like to take it?
3: I will, but you might hear the dog drinking water in the background. Uh, so, so yeah, I uh, I really had no uh, prior knowledge of this movie besides kind of seeing it on some uh, on the dis- people, some people mentioning it on the Discord and some forums online. So I went into this like really blind and I ended up overall like, pretty much enjoying this one i mean i definitely think there's some issues which we'll obviously get into but yeah um i think they did a good job of kind of keeping you on your toes um yeah because like you know they introduced the twist like super early into this movie and i was like what the fuck is gonna happen for the next hour of this movie um but then they kept introducing new twists and kind of keeping it fresh um you know some people might find it illogical I guess like that but I feel like with this movie I was kind of able to forgive it and kind of just go along for the ride with it um so yeah I mean you know I think it's like a just like a fun little thriller do I think it's anything like amazing or like uh, groundbreaking or anything no but I I think it's kind of a good you know kill an hour and a half and kind of just enjoy the ride um type of movie and you know i really did enjoy the darby character and i enjoyed you know kind of her story although i don't know if like the whole drug addiction thing was really like necessary i guess because it really you know i know like it kind of went i guess
1: well, it kind of gave her like so give her superpowers at the end
3: <laughs> yeah it like kind of gave her an arc mushrooms. i guess at the end but i didn't feel like it was like 100 percent necessary but it did bring some um I guess, um, something to the character. Um, but overall I enjoyed like the whole cast, honestly, of characters here. I thought everyone did a a, a pretty good job. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'll leave it at that for now.
2: Yeah. Uh, I didn't know what to expect much either. Although I did you know, like, obviously Todd talked about the book like two weeks ago, so I knew a little bit about it. Um, and all the stuff I'm saying, you know I, I know i'm talking about the movie but it relates to the overall story like some of the complaints i'll have and stuff but uh i mean it's an enjoyable film you know um i enjoyed watching it i love you know some parts of it there are some issues that i have with it specifically to things that i liked a lot about the movie i find were cut short too quickly and i wish they had elaborated more but i'll get into that when we go into details i love the um Relationships between all the characters. I love the dynamic between the characters. I thought that was when the film was at its strongest, is when everyone was in a room just chit chatting. You know, we talk about the uh, in the interview a little bit, and I agree 100%. The uh, bullshit card game, I thought was the best scene in the movie uh, for a lot of reasons, which I'll go into later. And yeah, it just, you know, it had a lot of twists. So it kept moving and it kept like, okay, uh, you know, surprising me in certain ways. Some of the kills were pretty brutal as well, which was always nice. Uh, very impressed by the location, especially after you'll see in the interview that it's all on the set. Uh, I, I consider myself a snow snob, especially snow for some reason, and I it kind of blew my mind that it was completely fake. You know, it's all on set, so that was uh, pretty amazing. Um, and yeah, there's you know, once we talk about the specifics, I think I can go more into uh, certain feelings, but overall, I thought it was a, a decent decent film
1: um yeah I, not a not a whole lot that I really liked about this one um and I think maybe it's because I read the book so recently and the book in my opinion was um a lot stronger than this one and uh, I looked at Steve's review and I understand his frustrations with like the cool stuff in the plot or in this in the movie not being utilized um and then in the book it was the flip side where it was utilized like that was the whole point is like well we'll get there um but um, yeah, overall, I mean, I like the set. I like the location. I like the premise of it, but I thought the execution was a little bit off. And I thought the acting was a little bit uh, spotty as well. Yeah. And I have a whole list of uh, comparing what changes was from the book to the movie, which we can go over later. Mm-hmm. It's It's long, but it's short because I made it to the point. Yeah,
3: I for me, like I never felt bored watching this movie, which was always like a plus like I, I felt like it didn't really waste any of its runtime. I mean, yeah, we get like Darby's like little 20 minute kind of intro. But after that, I feel like they really kind of put the pedal to the metal and never really let up like it, there was always like something going on or some sort of uh, tense moment, you know. Um, so I, I think that really helped um, this movie move along at a, at a pretty good pace as well.
2: Which is surprising for a movie that's mostly in one location, um, mm-hmm. because movie one location movies often the problem is that it gets boring. Um, you know, they right. don't move around a lot, but they use the location very well. You know, they don't stay in one room; they go into the bathroom, mm-hmm. they go into the back area, they go outside for a little bit, they go into the van. You know, so even though it's all really one area, uh, they do a good job of kind of moving the characters around. And also, like, it, like one thing that I liked about that is that you only have what, like five characters or six characters mm-hmm. in this entire story or most of it. And it's a, like, it was a good way to separate the characters and get the dynamic between two different characters or three different characters, because people would be outside having a smoke or tr- testing their cell phone. People would be at the bathroom. So, you know, the old lady comes in to talk to the, to Darby or, or then the couples with Darby or the couples with mm-hmm. the weird dude. And it's just it was an interesting way to like kind of break into little groups and, test different dynamics i really like that about it um but my complaint that i was talking about before is that being such a big fan of the kind of bullshit scene what i liked about it is that the whole time that there, it was almost like a mind game you know because at that point um darby knows that there's a kid in the van but she doesn't know who the van belongs to and the mind game that she plays trying to figure out who owns the van with the little information that she has uh, but not wanting to reveal the fact that she wants to know who lives in the van, I thought was brilliant. But they they tell you well they they reveal who owns the van so quickly that I was kind of like bummed out because I'm like, well, that was the mystery of it all was really interesting. Right. You know, even though there are other twists come into play later, I don't think they were as strong as that one. And that kind mm-hmm. of where I think the movie drops a little bit to me.
3: Right. No, I agree. And do you think i i feel like we should have had more characters like and it might have just been a budgetary thing or whatever. i don't know if there were more characters in the book Todd. but like there were no red herrings
2: like yeah, there was that,
3: like it was kind of obvious yeah, i feel that's, like
2: that's what i kind of meant before by like what i'm saying is i know it's a movie based on the book is i wish yeah. there were more characters because mm-hmm. like you said there are so few people to like pick from that uh it was like yeah there's no red herrings they could even use some people just to be collateral damage and get more kills out of it but with a group of six i felt it was you know it could have been a little bit more
1: yeah the cop is a character in the book more so than in the in the movie and um yeah it's same amount of characters but they're like all the dialogue is fleshed out more and um just from like a film it's hard to separate them especially when i just like read it you know but um It would have been so much nicer if you have the information that darby has um longer you know because one of my issues too with it i know you like the look of the snow steve but it didn't seem like it was ever a threat like i expected like there to be feet of snow and in the book it's described as like there's multiple vehicles that are covered over in snow and she uses that to her advantage like like okay like who got here first and blah 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 um and it ends up one of them is like a trash container that was a car and then um the brother Ash like says that that was his car because they couldn't tell because it's covered with with snow and stuff like that. So she has information that Lars is the creeper right away. Um, not right away, but pretty uh early in the script. But then her guessing work of trying to figure out who she can trust and not because they make the guy seem shady. Uh, Sandy's more shady in the book. Um, Ash is like super in the movie. You can tell he's kind of a bad guy. You know, he kind of has a look to him um but in the book he's like really like he's just a nice guy like you automatically assume he's he's not gonna be a threat but in this one he he, he already starts being creepy, uh, creepy. it's kind of like jack nicholson is like already crazy in the shiny you can tell um obviously he's like a different performance but like you can this one and like tipped him off right away Is like oh, it's, they're not even trying to hide that they're their brothers um and then the relationship with the brothers is fleshed out like a lot more lars is more of a victim to ash because ash like literally tortures tortures pets um he they have a sex ring that they operate and that's why they're taking the kid to to a uncle because he's a fucking freak um but yeah they they just went they they jumped around way too much and then i just with, with darby being a drug addict i didn't really like it because her arc in the book was she's just a piece of shit like self-centered, doesn't care about anyone but herself, uh, told her mother like she doesn't like her. And then she goes to the hospital with cancer and things like that. And her arc was not relying on anybody else but herself. But then this one, it kind of dulled that down because they put so much emphasis on the man character, the black gentleman being kind of like the savior, where it kind of did like, okay, well, we were going for a powerful woman uh, character, but then she's trying to rely on this man which I didn't really like where they went. I, I liked in the book where Darby was the shit from the beginning and she had to overcome being physically inferior to him because she's like 100 pounds, right? Um, the guy in the in the book is just like, the older gentleman is really, um, he's a loser. He's a straight up, he's an alcoholic. He's drunk the whole time. So he's not any kind of help. And when he he finally does stand up to him, it's too late. But this one, like, all right, get to the side, little girl. I'm going to take over because I was a Marine. And it was just like, eh, I didn't really like that 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 angle with that they went there.
3: I just like that actor in general. So I was like, just I like, like his character in this. Uh, yeah, I like him president also-
2: in 24. I loved him <laughs> in that in that role. Mm-hmm.
3: So yeah, I, I dug him in this, but I, I totally get what you're saying. Like as someone who didn't read the book and you explaining it. Yeah, like Darby is, she's like a strong character in this, but like you're right. Like she does kind of use him as kind of a crutch uh, at times, you know, for help and whatnot. So
2: like, yeah, that makes sense. So you said that in the book the snow is up over the cars. Is that yep. See, I, I don't know if that works cinematically because then she can't get to the van. If there's not, snow... not all of them. Okay. Not yeah. All a, them. Yeah, that, that's the thing. It's like I guess it was just tough to convey, like on film, you know. Yeah, Especially like... if she's running through the forest and all that kind of stuff. So
1: well and that too, it, it was kind of strange. Like that that's why I say like the, the snow wasn't a factor because one, it, it didn't pile up. And two, in, in the book, it's like, we can't fucking leave because there's feet of snow and they're not dressed, you know, snow gear. And she's having hypothermia and the girl's like having cold problems, obviously, and all that stuff. But no, one of, the, there's a, a trash compactor, or uh, a trash dumpster that's overfilled with uh, snow. So that's, Ash says that's his car and she can't tell it because it's covered. And then there's different stages of cars with different piles of snow on it. So she's trying to figure out like who got, who arrived who, when. Who and got like there first, that. okay. Yeah.
2: Yep, yep. and where, where does the cop fit into all this in the book
1: um they they switch gears because they're in the freaking same thing for the whole time they go to his perspective because there's a um there's a really cool like tension thing where she ends up sending the text right and it kind of happens the same in the movie in the book No, the movie sorry but it goes through and he doesn't know it ash but she since she's not from there she mislabeled what rest stop she was at So it's like a thing where you're going along with the cop, and he's, you know, going to this rest stop, and he opens the door, and it's at a a high point in the story where it's a showdown. They're all fighting each other, blah blah blah, and you think the cops gonna save the day, and he comes in there, it's an empty room because she gave him the wrong address. So then it goes back to her like being 100% alone again because Ash and the brother like totally kill like both the older characters like very gruesomely, and they end up torturing Darby, and she rips off her own fingers to get out of a trap and stuff like that. So it's pretty good, but. Yeah, they, they shift perspective to him, thinking he's going to ride in on a you know white horse and save the day, but he's in the wrong location because she messed up. But he still dies at the end, though.
3: Mm. One thing I I thought of too uh, at towards the beginning of the movie is um, I just didn't didn't really buy that Darby would actually stop at the lodge. Like I feel like she was pretty stubborn and she just like escaped from the uh, rehab. I feel like she would have been like, "Fuck it, I'm just driving past." Uh, this lodge, and I'm going to take my chances.
2: I agree. Um, but yeah, she, they have to get her there somehow. Right. And yeah. yeah it's, but yeah, you're right. Like she. The type, especially in a stolen car, <laughs> you know, right? Uh, I don't know. I'll go stop where the cop told me to stop.
3: <laughs> yeah, would, yeah. Wouldn't the uh, wouldn't they have called the police by then? There already would have been like a fucking uh, be on the look a bolo for this uh, car she stole. <laughs> yeah, she's probably pretty far from the
2: facility at this point. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, maybe in the mountains. are especially before a storm. They're not thinking of oh, this is probably a stolen car, <laughs> right? <laughs> because they probably didn't even run our plates or anything. Just kind of giving advice. Well, mm-hmm. um, one question slash issue that i have maybe i just missed a line of dialogue or something is so the older woman is related to all this but how did she end up at the same facility as the other two guys i guess i missed that part they needed the medicine
1: and um Mm -hmm. so when they abducted her the medicine wasn't where sandy said it would be so Mm -hmm. they told her you need to bring the medicine to us okay so Mm -hmm. i mean it's kind of
2: Yeah, it's
3: just that that twist I didn't love. Here's what I didn't understand either. Um, But I mean, I guess like, hey, like maybe the the husband doesn't ask questions about like where the wife goes to work or something. But wouldn't she have like shown like a picture of like, hey, this is a kid I'm taking care of or something like that. Like he didn't like recognize the little girl when she came in. I mean, maybe like you don't do that or something. But I just feel like, like, I don't know if like Sam was like, you know, like nannying a girl or something. I'd probably see a picture of her at some point.
1: Yeah, plus the fact that the kid was kidnapped and the police were questioning her quite a bit. You know they went to her house yeah, for evidence. Right. <laughs> so like...
3: Yeah, he just seemed like so shocked that it was, you know, like her and had no idea that it was like this little girl that she was taking care of. I was like, like they're fucking like married, right? Like shouldn't they? Like, you think they would, like he would kind of figure this out. But I thought that was actually like a decent, a pretty good twist though. Like I didn't kind of, I didn't really see that she was involved in that. So like I thought that was kind of good, like um, that they kept uh, – on your toes that way. With the third twist, I guess, of the movie, with the the brother being the second twist.
2: But yeah, yeah, it's just like you know, when you have a movie like that and like everyone's practically involved, it's like eh. I don't know. It's just that that's why I think more characters would have been better, because then you would have had it would have been more plausible that you know there are other people there and yeah. It's just, but still, you know, I thought it was still enjoyable.
1: Well, let me give you guys the the differences in plot. Um, real quick so changes darby isn't a recovering addict i already said that she's a college student going after her mom uh the kid is inside a dog cage and she's also been tortured um ash doesn't find a the nail gun he has it in his car because they're like a uh, maintenance that's their job the maintenance guys or whatever and since he tortures his her brother his brother all the time he put a nail through her hand because she was violating their rules or whatever Um, The older couple aren't a couple, they're actually cousins and the guy's recovering alcoholic and they're going to visit family. Um, There's no military talk because no one's in the military in this. Uh, There's no construction going on in the bathroom, it's just a bathroom with a window that she breaks out of. Uh, They already have the Fennell gun, we already talked about that. Um, Not revealed until much later that the guys are together. It's like awesome when it's revealed because they're about to uh, ambush Lars and then he turns around and reveals it's pretty good. there's feet of snow not just a little storm i know it's bigger than a little but whatever uh there's a lot more getting to know the two brothers before everything is revealed also what's good too is ash he's such a manipulative little prick that when they're playing they don't play bullshit they play a different kind of guessing game thing but he puts nuggets in there that they're related like he calls them hey what's up brother Stuff like that and that you wouldn't get right away until you know that they're related and then darby starts putting it all together he's like motherfucker um and he writes notes to her too like um, I'm going to kill her. If you say anything, I'm going to kill him. They don't know. Blah, blah, blah. Um, the guy, try, uh, Ash, tries to suffocate Darby in the bathroom with a plastic bag before she escapes. Uh, the, old, oh, the older lady is not a maid. She's a school bus driver. Um, Jay is like a strong kid in the book. She's not screaming the whole time. She's act- actively trying to help, and she tries to fight back. Uh, Ash breaks the lady's neck. So Sandy, he puts his knee in the like in her back and then pulls back on their forehead until she she breaks her neck and it's pretty gruesome because it's drawn out. Um, And he nail guns the guy in his mouth and his lips and stuff like that, torturing him. Um, Ash puts Darby's finger, instead of nail gunning her arm to the wall, uh, he puts her fingers in a door jam and closes it. So the only way she can get out is if she cuts her own fingers off, which she does because uh, the little girl turns off the lights and helps her get a knife and cut her fingers off and stuff like that. And then she kills Lars um let's see darby and jay burn the place down with ash inside but he escapes and then there's a the final showdown uh the cop comes up as darby is finishing off ash but he shoots her in the back and we think darby dies and then the book makes it seem like she passed away because they're at a cemetery in the next scene but it's for her mom and the girl little girl's families with darby and stuff like that and that's it those are the big changes
2: i could see why the book seems more horror than the movie yeah like definitely it's like they cut out a lot of the horror like just that he did where, yeah i don't know why i could picture it uh her putting like the neck and pulling <laughs>
1: oh god that's brutal it's like, just it's, thinking yeah about it. his knee and he like has oh, to work it crap. and she's struggling and yeah it's pretty bad
2: yeah
3: Wow. yeah that's gnarly i did like the the nail gun in this though the nail gun was that was it was pretty effective like especially when he man when he puts it through her uh he like crucifies her like Jesus on the cross there going through her wrist that was pretty fucking brutal. I was like I felt that. I was like oh shit that must must fucking kill. Um and then then when you fucking snorts the cocaine is it that was a little much I don't know but, you know it's like Mario <laughs> when he gets a mushroom dude. Yeah. Right. He's stronger. I was like was what message of, is this? <laughs> I know right? Yeah that was kind of a w- w- weird um New drugs. <laughs> but hey <laughs> yeah. But, the, yeah, he went fucking hammer with that uh, nail gun there once he got outside. I fucking, it was like Terminator fucking taking out the car.
1: <laughs> yeah, I want, is that possible, Joe? Have you ever worked with one of those before?
3: I've never worked with a nail gun, so I don't know. Like, Can you shoot it like a if, fucking machine gun? I, I have no idea. Uh, I'm not sure.
2: Hey, From my knowledge, no. <laughs> it's like one. You, know, you have to pull the trigger each time you want it to come out, so. Well, he said, like, no. I
1: rigged the safety, but as yeah. game, it's gonna no, like that is going to fly like a bullet.
2: That's real. Because no, right. for that exact reason, people are, <laughs> <Yeah>. dead, so, <laughs> you know? that's true.
1: You'd be shooting shit all the time. <laughs> right? uh, do you want me to go over what people said about on the Discord before yeah, we write it? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah.
1: All right. Horror fan Ryan says, I liked it. I thought the lead made some stupid decisions like in most movies, but we had fun watching it. I did think the first twist was a little obvious, but was surprised by the way it came together. Weezerface said, I thought it was borderline horror, but I did enjoy the ride, all the twisty turns. Kayla said she liked it. I went in not expecting much to the plot, but I was surprised. Mondo said he liked the movie. The main character is a resilient and unkillable, like Tara or Tara from the most recent Scream movie. Although somewhat predictable, there was one twist that got me. Didn't see it coming. Good, solid movie, in my opinion. And that's all from Discord. What's your ratings?
3: All righty. Oh, sorry.
1: You know, I'm, I'm low i'm gonna i'm gonna two and a half out of five on letterbox or uh i guess a five and a half out of ten
3: all right yeah i mean i think it's like a pretty solid thriller like you i agree with Weezerface. i don't i would call it borderline horror too i just it sounds like the book obviously is a, a lot more horror than uh the movie ends up being um but yeah, I think honestly, on repeated watchings, this one actually may go down. I, I, you know, like I, now that you know the twists and everything like that, it might just not uh, hit the same way. Um, but as it stands right now, I'm going to give it a seven.
2: Yeah. And I'm in between, uh, you guys. I, uh, I give it a six out of 10. I think it's enjoyable. I'm happy I watched it. I don't think I'd revisit it necessarily. Although I do have more of an appreciation for appreciation for it after uh, talking to the director Damien Power uh, because he, the way he describes like his decisions and certain things he talks about the score, which we didn't really mention, uh, which was pretty good. Right. Yeah. Um, very good. Yeah. So th- there's you know I think I had more of an appreciation for it. So maybe I'd revisit it after hearing the interview. But uh, I think right now I'm at a six out of ten.
3: Yeah, and I'm definitely going to, for next week's Watch, I'm going to check out his other movie, too, Killing Ground, which seems like it's more straight-up horror. than the, It's like a camping trip, like uh, and home invasion camping trip type movie or something like that, so could be cool. But, yeah, next week we're watching um, The Exorcism of God, and we're going to have a couple of interviews attached to it as well. Uh, the movie releases, what was it, March
2: Fri- 11th, I uh, think, 11th this so Friday, Friday, right? Yeah, the, the yeah. day this episode comes out.
3: This, this episode's come out uh, i don't know is it, i'm assuming a vod release uh, vod on demand and theater Oh,
2: oh wow. okay yeah it's a triple threat to actually and you know uh, joe and i already watched it and we're 2.5 stars but, uh, apart right now but we're both going to rewatch yeah. it so who knows what's going to happen but i think mm-hmm. there's a lot to talk about in that movie so definitely try to find it and uh, yeah it's it's a very interesting film mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. yeah i'm excited to hear what uh, todd and sam have to you know, stay too, I, it, I, I really, I really yeah. don't know
2: where they're gonna land on it, and that makes it better for me. You <laughs> know, like I love when mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, I had an idea with No Exit, but with uh, Children uh, with Exorcism of God, and I mean, the, the main priest is the butler from Prince of Bel Air, which is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's so random, like, I haven't seen him in fucking years, but mm-hmm. yeah, he does a good job of it too. So <laughs>
3: Yeah, it was funny to see him there. <laughs> it, it was so weird. It, like it took me a little yeah. a
2: little bit to get used to it, but once, you know, the action starts going, I kind of get settled in, but yeah, it was really... mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Yeah, but we're going to yeah, we uh Steve interviewed the director uh earlier this week for that one and then uh we're going to have hope you know, most likely, you know, we haven't done it yet, but it's pretty much confirmed we're going to be interviewing uh one of the main actors from the film as well who plays the the main priest there. I forget his uh, Will buying i believe is his name yeah so. um, he was he was also had a small role in it chapter two as well as uh beverly's abusive husband in uh the new iteration of it chapter two so yeah we'll be chatting with him uh this week too so yeah anyway. all right guys yeah so that that's it make sure you check out Exism of god for next week uh make sure you follow us on discord uh we got the movie club which i think everyone is voting on right now i don't no, know have done. we come out? I, yeah, it's yeah, done it's, okay uh, what are we Wishmaster. doing wishmaster all right Mm -hmm. so we're gonna be doing wishmaster steve uh just follow our discord and steve will keep everyone up to date when we will be doing a live uh video chat on that one and then follow us on facebook instagram twitter we're everywhere and yeah and stick around for the interview with uh director damian power from the movie you just heard us review no exit enjoy hello everyone and welcome back to the horror squad podcast where today we are joined by a very special guest Horror fans may know him from his previous film, Killing Ground, and tonight he is here to chat with us about his latest film, No Exit, which is currently streaming over on Hulu. Please welcome the director, Damien Power. Damien, thank you, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm, I'm good, thanks, Joe. Thanks, Steve, for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, so why don't you just start off by telling us uh, how you got involved with No Exit?
0: Yeah, well, uh, first of all, my agent sent me the script. Um, So I read the script. This is back in 2019. And since I finished the script, I found the book and I read the book in one sitting and straight away I thought, well, these are great and I know exactly what to do with them. So yeah, Um, I I was in from the moment I I first read the, the script and the
2: novel.
3: Nice. Uh, Now, of course, this was based on a book, like you said. Um, So how do you as the director uh, tackle that with kind of doing your own thing, but also trying to respect the source material?
0: Yeah, well, in this case, um, Andrew and Gabe, the writers, you know, had already done um, an adaptation um, of the draft, um, which was pretty close to the novel. Um, And when I came aboard, uh, I felt that what I wanted to do with it was keep it feeling real, keep it grounded you know Um, Mm -hmm. I wanted to make a thriller that had that kind of um, logic that we all appreciate in those sort of films so this was going to be a film where the character tries every door to make sure it's unlocked Mm -hmm. you know yeah Um, so I was keen to make sure that it was as logical as possible Um, I feel that the novel um, already had a pretty uh, uh, cinematic kind of plot Um, And I think we we stick pretty, pretty close to that. Um, We maybe made some changes, I think, in terms of characterization. So I think in the novel, you know, Darby, the heroine, is a college student. Um, There's not so much detail about her backstory. Um, I felt that when I read it, the character really had one superpower, and that was her ability to break into a car and um, not be discovered. You know mm-hmm. um which i don't know how to break into a car you know if i had to break into a car i would put a brick through a window um so <laughs> that led me to thinking well how does a young woman you know acquire that skill where does that come from and that led me to thinking about um a character who had struggled with addiction uh who was estranged from her family and had that background. So I guess that's one of the changes that we made um, through the adaptation process Um, Mm -hmm. that I don't feel um, significantly changes the story, um, but I do think that it gives um, more uh, color or character um, to the protagonist. Um, And it gives her a greater struggle. I like it too. What I like about it too is that it um, makes her seem like a less likely hero, you know. She begins the yeah. the film as as someone who thinks that you know maybe she doesn't deserve a second chance, and then she ends the film um, with maybe that window has kind of opened a little bit for her. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, yeah. So with this film, you know, it's all pretty much set in one single location, and I think the biggest challenge with single location films is. Um, you know the, the repetitiveness t- uh, tends to get boring, but in this movie it, it works really well. Um, so you know, can you tell us how you know you were able to make it so effective and how you were able to use your uh, the space to your advantage?
0: Yeah, so we shot the entire pretty much the entire film, like ninety five percent of it, I think, um, on a sound soundstage in um, Auckland, New Zealand. Um, oh. Right from the beginning, when we were talking about making the film, nobody was keen to film on the side of a mountain at night in a blizzard. So (laughs) it was always, you know, can we do this in a studio? And um, that idea appealed to me as well because, you know, my my first film, Killing Ground, was almost entirely set outside. Um, We were just slammed with weather, um, and it was it was just a slog. It was really hard. Um, Mm. And so the idea of um, you know uh, building this um, set. And having control over those elements really appealed to me, and um, so we built it. We built the um, the set as an entirely practical set. So the building wow. is a real building. It was built with Japanese cedar, and you know the steps at the front. there's stone, like it. It, you could walk inside the building. You go into any room. All of the rooms were um, set decorated. Uh, it felt like a real space. So you could walk from that space into the car park that we built, um, and into kind of the forest verge or the road. And I mean, actor David Reistale, um, he described it as like a bloody snow globe, you know. Um, and it really felt like this kind of special uh, place where we could go and play and and make this film. But I think that that um, making it so real you know it's not it's not a cardboard set where we're gonna um yes we could move walls but you know it it was it felt real to the actors and so it helped um them with their um, performance uh that we were kind of keeping it real in that way um and so visually for me then it becomes about well how do we make sure that people don't get bored and and, and, it, and it stays interesting and i think that one of the Appealing things about the the script and the story for me was that it it moves through many different uh kinds of action you know so it opens with this mm-hmm. sort of prologue in the uh in the rehab center and then you know she steals a car hits the road um, through a sequence which in my head was a lot like marion crane um, driving to the bates motel in psycho oh, yeah. you know, she gets waylaid right down to the cop stop, you know, she gets way and does not know that she's um, in fact, gone to the worst place in the world. Um, mm-hmm. Then you have, then there's the discovery of the girl. You have this kind of mystery sequence. It's like a whodunit, you know, who is the kidnapper? Um, and then that plays out through um, a almost 10 minute game of cards, which is fantastic. I mean, when do you ever get a chance to, to do that these days? Uh, and then, then you have a kind of when, when, you know, um, the identity is revealed, you have a kind of cat and mouse um, game where it's, will, will Darby act or will she kind of sit this one out? And when she makes the decision to kind of to act, then the whole film pivots very much into a kind of survive the night um, thriller you, that's part chase, part siege, and then part just completely crazy mayhem um Mm -hmm. so you know as a director you have all these different kinds of action that are unfolding in the same space so it never feels quite the same you're always something different is always going on you're always looking at it in a different way um but also you know um we try and set the scene very early on we see darby moving through the space um we see her kind of exploring all these all these places that'll come to be significant later in the film, Um, we get a sense of the reality of the space um, so that when we're cutting um, inside and outside, we know kind of where we are, what the relationship between um, those people are and then what they could do um, to get out of the situation. Mm
3: -hmm. Well, I got to say kudos to, to you and your crew because it really did feel like we were like we were in a blizzard i gotta say that the snow everything it just felt so uh authentic um and you mentioned the uh the card game scene which was actually a good segue into my next question um I, the bullshit scene was definitely one of my my favorite scenes in the movie it was just um you really were able to kind of meet these characters in a very kind of quick moment but you know you kind of feel like you already know them uh so how, how did you go about you know doing that scene did you let the actor characters improv or was that all scripted
0: no it's pretty tightly scripted um Mm. you know um so because you're right you we only have a certain amount of time um to meet these characters in this context and obviously darby's the one who's digging for information um and yet trying not to seem like she's digging for information trying not to tip off um that that's that's what her real motive is but you know through that game we learn quite a bit um, about the characters and their relationships um, in terms of not only um, a little bit about where they're from and who they are and what they're doing, um, which is plot information, but we're seeing how they're reacting <clears throat> to the card game um, mm-hmm. and each other playing. Um, and, you know, we can see that there's this kind of history between um, Sandy and Ed as a, as a married couple. Um, we can see Lars getting increasingly kind of worked up um, when the cards aren't falling his way. Um, and, and Ash, you know, trying to uh, be a peacemaker um, around that table. Um, so I just I just love the, the dynamics and I feel like it really gave the, the actors kind of space to um, really kind of become the characters. I mean, we shot when we shot last year, obviously it was kind of in the middle of, of COVID. Um, and because of that, we had, the actors um, in New Zealand for the duration of the shoot so they were there from kind of day one to to the end of it and we weren't shooting around people's schedules um, and what that meant was that we could pretty much shoot the film in order um, which oh. is such a, a rare treat that I'm sure I'll never yeah. ever get to again um, but it was fantastic you know because you um, You know, uh, and I think the actors all really appreciated it because they didn't have to, you know, they're not shooting things out of order. They're not having to remember what their character did, you know, 10 minutes ago um, because they did it yesterday. You know, they've already lived that experience and I feel um, so grateful for, you know, having that um, kind of enforced opportunity.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, the chemistry between all the actors just seemed really great uh, in this movie. Uh, how, how did, um, you know, how was the vibe on set? W- was everyone kind of clicking right away?
0: Yeah, it was great. I mean, not only the cast, but the crew. I mean, they, the cast mm-hmm. all bonded like a tight family, really. I mean, because mm-hmm. um, they're all from the U.S. They're all from a long way away from uh, home. Um, but mm-hmm. to be honest, the, I had such a great crew, too. It really did feel, for me, you know, I, I was away from home too. It felt like my kind of New Zealand film family. Mm.
3: Uh, I heard you mention, uh, you know, Mary and Crane a la Psycho earlier. And another thing that really stuck out to me in this movie was actually the score and, and the use of strings uh, specifically. Um, so who um, who who scored this? And, uh, you know, was it your kind of inspiration to use the, the strings and whatnot? Or was that all him?
0: Yeah, no, Marco and Miles um, uh, scored it um uh, Marco Boltrami and uh, Miles Hankin um and it was very early on i i, I had wanted um to do uh, an analog kind of orchestral um score but to keep it kind of small um because i didn't want a a, a massive orchestra overwhelming um the action so it had to it had to kind of feel proportional um To me, I mean, it still feels big. It's a big, it's a great big um, thriller score. Um, And yes, you know, I mean, uh, when I think about thrillers, I'm always thinking about Hitchcock. um, And when I'm hearing those films, I'm hearing um, Bernard Herrmann. um, And that was definitely an inspiration. I mean, particularly in Psycho, where he's getting, um, it's just strings. There's no percussion. And he's um, getting strings to do things that strings weren't, didn't do before. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was definitely an inspiration, but where to find that and then take it to um, a, a slightly different place. And also how to um, uh, you know, convey the experience of Darby, of the protagonist through the music. Um, so it was always kind of mm-hmm. my note to the composers that the music is what Darby's feeling and what she's kind of hearing in her head um Mm -hmm. so when it's when it's tense and anxious um that's why that's that's where it is um and so i don't i think that um uh yeah i i I love the score and i think that um they just really delivered that perfectly
3: yeah no and it definitely helps uh ramp up the tension and you you know being no stranger to, to genre films um you know, how do, as a director, you know, how, how do you feel like you, can, you craft a good, you know, tense moment or scare um, that, you know, once you kind of see it in an audience setting, you know that you, you nailed it?
0: Um, I think that um, it's thrillers and horror. Um, mm-hmm. Anything where you're trying to um, <laughs> get people to the edge of their seat, make them feel tense and anxious. Um, it's really all about point of view. Um, which is why what makes these films exciting to direct um, and point of view is really all about like how much the audience knows, you know, it's the, you know, it's the classic Hitchcock thing about the difference between surprise and suspense. Um, well, um, I think that, you know, that's the way I like to think about tension is that the audience is, knows something that the character doesn't quite know. Um, and um, namely the things are going very badly uh, and we enjoy seeing that discovery that sort of process mm-hmm. of discovery um, so um, as a director I'm always trying to think about how, how to reveal information um, uh, and in this film you know, we stick pretty closely to Darby's point of view. So Mm -hmm. we're really not learning too much before she does. Um, And that's great for this film because there are a couple of really big surprises and kind of twists in terms of um, uh, the story. So to have them land for the character at the same time as the audience, I think is really kind of powerful thing. Um, And you know, I like films that um, put you in the shoes of the character, films where I can mm-hmm. imagine, well, what would I do in that situation, you know? Um, and I think that both, I tried to do that with both Killing Ground and No Exit, is to have these scenarios where you go, well, what would I do? I don't know what I would do. Um, and um, I think that that is that is, that is a really powerful form of identification and connection for the audience and, and gives you that, um, gives you a, an experience, makes the film feel like an, you're experiencing it rather than just watching it. Um, and that's what I think that the best kind of thrillers and horror films do.
3: Yeah. Absolutely. Very, very well said. Well, Damien, I you know I think I think uh, that's a good place to leave off. Um, before we let you go, um, is there anything you got coming up? Any new projects or anything else you'd like to promote before we let you go? I'm working on a couple of things.
0: Um, I think the thing that I'm writing at the moment is a psychological thriller set during World War II. So that'll oh. be fun.
3: Very nice. Do you think, uh, do you think, you know, the, um, genre films is kind of where you, you'd like to stay or do you think you'd like to try other things? Look, I'm just, I'm
0: drawn to kind of character driven stories with high stakes sure. in, in mm-hmm. any genre. And I think, but I do think that once you, once you're thinking about high stakes, um, then it does tend to be in the, in the kind of genre space because it's mm-hmm. it's kind of life or death. And for me, that's about, um Again, it's coming back to um, trying to make films that give people um, an experience, whether it be a kind of roller coaster ride or you know put them on the edge of their seat. Um, I think that that's those are the films that I like to watch. Those are the films that I like to make. Um, it mm-hmm. inevitably means that they're probably going to be in a genre space somewhere, um, mm-hmm. but um, those are the things that kind of draw me to um, story. Is really the character and the stakes and the idea of um you know telling stories that um really kind of speak to um the, the times we live in
1: yeah
3: awesome well damien thank you so much for uh, joining us tonight it was, it was an absolute pleasure and everyone make sure you go and check out no eggs now streaming over on hulu no thanks guys really appreciate
0: yeah. it yeah thank you
2: have a right. good one See you later. Bye.
3: Bye. They want to hear what you thought in the movie. It was all right. She said it was all right.